Good morning. Thank you, Mr. and Mrs. Wallace, for that message in song. And if anyone needs mercy, is me this morning. What encouraged my heart is he reminded me that when we are weak, then we are strong in him, not in ourselves. So I'd ask you to pray with me as I pray for God's guidance. Master, speak and make me ready. When thy voice is truly heard, with obedience, glad and steady, still to follow every I am listening, Lord, for thee, Master, speak, oh, speak to me and through me, for we ask it in Christ's name and for his sake, amen. I would ask you, if you have your Bibles, to turn with me to... Matthew chapter 18, and we will begin to read at verse 15 through 17, and then turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, so if you would hold your space there at Matthew chapter 18, go with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and I will be reading two verses 18 and 19. As you find your places there in your Bible, let me say to you that conflict is a normal part of life. But conflicts between believers involves sinful behaviors. Jesus outline in this passage that we can resolve these conflicts if we follow his advice. Reading now from Matthew chapter 18, verse 15. If your brother sins against you, go and rebuke him in private. If he listens to you, you have won your brother. But if he won't listen, take one or two more with you, so that by the testimony of two or three witnesses, every fact may be established. If he pays no attention, to them, tell the church. But if he does not pay attention even to the church, let him be as an unbeliever and a tax collector to you. Reading now from verses 18 and 19. 
Now, everything is from God. Brian gave us some good news this morning. And we thank God for those who made this possible. But ultimately, I'm sure they will agree with me. It came from God. Now, everything is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us a ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. And he has committed the message of reconciliation to us. Therefore, we as believers are mandated to use God's directives that we may not allow Satan to destroy our relationship with our spouses, within our community, within our local assembly. Is there a doctor in the house? I might need him before I'm through. Many a call for help has been heard when sickness strikes and the body is dangerously failing to function. Likewise, when a relationship between two people falls into dangerous zones, we may be called upon to help doctor those broken hearts. While no one can escape the pain of a broken relationship, they can escape becoming bitter. The Bible powerfully presents the freedom of forgiveness. But even more, Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals, gives each believer the ministry of reconciliation. How do we diagnose the condition of a broken heart? I'm glad you asked, because I believe we have the answer. Patients with bad heart condition needs to change his unhealthy habits. Heart patients who have hardening of the arteries receive regular examination, like visiting a medical doctor. We too can help those who need a heart examination. We can help to diagnose the problem by testing for these conditions. And I would like to 
mention eight different problems that helps us to understand where we are and how we can overcome the broken relationship or heart. First of all, let's examine our pride. What we need to ask ourselves is this question. Do I focus on how much I have been wronged? Too many of us, when we are wronged, continue to focus on the problem rather than on the problem solver. The Bible says that pride comes before the fall. The second question is fault finding. Do I rehash the faults of others and take no consideration to your own problem? Number three, avoidance. Do I avoid being around people with whom I have conflicts? And most of us, if you're going to be honest, you'll say yes. Someone that I have conflicts with, if they come through the back door, I'll make sure I go to the front door, being very honest. When I was called to be the assistant to the pastor here, there was a particular individual. I dare say she's a good friend of mine now. But at that point, if I was standing to that door and she saw me, she would turn around and go to the back. And I got to the point where I decided I will see to it that she faced me. And when I saw her turn around once, I went around and I was, when she opened the door, I reached out and I said, hello, how are you? It's good to see you. Well, I guess she he felt there was no use running after that. The running stopped. And believe me, we are good friends now. So, are we avoiding those people? I couldn't tell you today what the problem might have been. She never told me, and I never asked. All I know is she made sure that she would not come in the direction that I was in. Fourthly, silence. Do I refuse to share my feelings in a healthy way? Now, we need to recognize that we can share our feelings in different ways, right? And normally, the way that we try to share our feelings is telling the people a piece of your mind, right? Now, if I could tell you something to hurt you a little bit more than you can hurt me, uh, then I feel good. But that's not the way. That's not the way at all. Fifthly, isolation. Do I withdraw emotionally? Let's get a little closer home. How many of you, you know, when I 
was putting this together, I did not even remember that about 80 ladies was going to be leaving the con congregation this weekend to be away. I said, this will be good for couples. But guess what, men? They got to come back in the will of the Lord. How many of us isolate ourselves in the same bed, but you turn your back, and you may or may not say goodnight. That's isolation. Sixthly, unfaithfulness. Do I share unnecessary information about my opposer? How many get themselves into problems because they isolate themselves from their spouses and when they get to work, they're the best person you can meet. And as a result, guess what happens? They start talking about how no good their spouse is and wish they were someone like you. And if you're not careful, you will buy into it. And the next thing you know, they're telling you all the bad things about your spouse. Or should I say about their spouse. Or a friend. Unfaithfulness. What about hopelessness? Sometimes we get to the point where we feel almost as if it's a hopeless situation. The question we ask ourselves then. Do I lack the faith that God can work in and through every situation? And if that's the case, then you know you're going to concentrate on the problem and not on the problem solver or the one that can solve the problem. Eight, resentment. Do I hold on to my anger until it turns to bitterness? Listen to Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14 and 15. It says, and I quote, Pursue peace with everyone. This is not my word. I didn't write this last night. Pursue peace with everyone. And holiness. We've been singing about that this morning. Without it, no one will see the Lord. You see how important it is to pursue peace? Verse 15. See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God. And that no root of bitterness spring up, causing trouble and be defiled many as a result, of course, of this problem that we bring about on ourselves. So, the question is, how do we begin reconciliation? Well, let's see what 
we need to do. May I say to you, the process of reconciliation can occur when both parties are willing to listen without interruption. And please, hear this again. When both party or parties are willing to listen without interruption, they both need to be respectful and understanding and that there is two sides to every story and someone else will say there are three sides, your side, my side, and the truth, or four sides, your side, my side, the truth, and that which either one of us want to talk about is true. May I say to you, we need also to notice that two, there are two sets of feelings that needs to be understood. Your feeling and my feeling. And two hearts that needs to be healed. And here again is the following list of do's and don'ts that will help us to try to guide those two people in reconciliation. Let's look at the do's column first. First of all, see the situation from the other's point of view. Secondly, repeat back. In other words, Make sure that you understand what the individual is saying by repeating back to them what they, or what you thought they might have said. Example, did you say that you might not be in for lunch today? Is that what you said? And if they didn't say that, then you will understand exactly what they were saying to you. But may I say to you, it's so easy. The individual might have said, I don't know if I'll be back in time for lunch. But because of circumstances, they're back. And because you thought they weren't coming back, you didn't prepare lunch. So now we have a problem. So the point is, we need to make sure that we understand what the other person is saying to us. Thirdly, use words that is encouraging. Fourthly, be respectful, even if they are not treating you respectful. Now, that's hard. But that's the way to go. That's the way to go. Fifthly, realize that you have the power to change only yourself and not your spouse, or your partner. You cannot change him or her. You can only change yourself. So work on you. Okay? Unfortunately, there are those who would say, okay, uh, I know they're not what I would have them to be, but once we get married, I'll change them. Hardly ever happen. Unless God intervenes. It hardly ever happens. 
6. Be at peace knowing that you have the prince of peace in your heart. Let's look at the don'ts. Don't forget that your opposer is also God's creation. Therefore, treat him or her like that, as one of God's creation. Secondly, don't harbor resentment, bitterness, or hurt. Because guess what? Acid eats from the inside. While you cannot sleep at night, the other person is out having a ball. Who is hurting who? Thirdly, don't use the you statements. Like, of course, you made me do it. You should not have done X, Y, Z, then I would not have done A, B, C. Or you always, that's a common one. And I am still working on it. You always do this or you always do that. And that's not the truth. If you are really checking, that's not true. That's just the way you feel at that moment. Fourthly, don't get down into useless arguments. Fifthly, don't expect immediate change. And don't we all, most of us, anyhow, I wouldn't say all, most of us are what we look for, someone who have been brought up in an environment for 25 years with a problem. You get married and you say to them, well, I didn't change you before, but now we are married. You got to change this. And you want to change overnight. That does not happen. It will. Sorry. Sorry about this. But it will not happen. I know we, we tend to believe that it does, but it doesn't. So let's face the fact. Six, don't assume that reconciliation always is possible because it isn't. It's not always possible. Bear with me, please. Bear with me, please. I, I, I want to get a couple more points. Because we need to see how, how to apologize. Physical healing cannot take place unless the patient chooses to do what is healthy. Similarly, the healing of two wounded hearts will not take place if both parties do not recognize that they need to forgive each other. But since there are wrong ways and right ways to ask, we may need to examine the differences. One, do not make excuses like, I couldn't help it. 
The devil made me do it. Or secondly, don't use the blame game. You, you made me do it. Or third, thirdly, accept full responsibility for yourself by saying something like this. My attitude was inexcusable. Now, most people will stop long enough to let you say that. Uh, but at least this is a place that we need to get started. Shortly, as I said, set full blame for your part. No one, no one can make another person sin. Be willing to say, I acknowledge that I have sinned against you. Fifthly, with a humble heart, say, I have to see our relationship from your point of view. I realize that I have been wrong in my attitude. Would you forgive me, please? And if it's your wife or husband, don't forget the three words when it's accepted as truth. I love you. How do we forgive then? Some patients have wounds that will never be healed. Why? Because they won't leave the wound alone. Just as a wound needs to be allowed to heal, a person needs to allow forgiveness to do its work. We can be effectively useful and be able to be used by God to present practical steps in healing, in the healing process. And some of these steps are one, realize that forgiveness is not letting the offender off the hook. But an act of releasing the offender from the hook and on to God's hook. Allow me to say that again. This is important. Because again, one of the problems, hey, he or she is getting off too easily. I don't want to do that. I want to make him or her pay. Release that forgiveness or releasing that forgiveness is not letting the offender off the hook. But an act of releasing the offender from your hook and on to God's hook. Secondly, deciding that you want to be free from the pain of the past. Thirdly, recognizing that the unmet needs in the other person who might have hurt you for whatever reason, that person might be a very needy person and 
don't even know that they hurt you. Fourthly, listing every offense and then instead of packing it, at least release the offender. Release the offense in the hands of the Almighty God who is able to do far better with it than we can. In conclusion, how to enlist a mediator? If a doctor has been consulted and the medical condition seemed uncertain, a second opinion is often sought. The Bible even speaks of bringing in the wise from outside. So we then need to bring in an advisor. Proverbs 15.22 says, Plan fails for the lack of counsel, but with many advisors, they succeed. Something, or should I say sometimes, another mediator is needed. Seek a person whom they both can respect. Say to them, at times, an outside person brings to the table a different perspective. Would you consider a mediator to help think through the problem to reach a successful end? Each person must be prepared to experience the possibility of a negative outcome from the process of reconciliation. Ultimately, the relationship may not work out between those two people or those two individuals. One person cannot or it's impossible for one person to bring about a solution. One person can forgive the other, but when it comes to reconciliation, takes both parties to do that. Let me close with this verse of scripture, Romans chapter 12, verse 18. If it is possible, as much as depended upon you, live peaceably with all Shall we pray? Father, I acknowledge that this is an area within your church, within your body of believers, within the family that we have problems with. Forgiveness. Lord, I, I acknowledge that unless we are willing to forgive, how can we expect you to forgive us? Cleanse us, I pray thee, 
from all unrighteousness and help us to recognize that without you, we are nothing. We can do nothing. But with you and your grace, day by day, we can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens us. For we ask it in Christ's name and for his sake. Amen.